0: Hey, Chapel Street Church family. You know, today we begin a brand new sermon series called The Rhythm of Rest, where we're going to explore the meaning of Sabbath uh, in the life uh, of those who follow Jesus. What does God mean when He calls us and says, Come unto me, and I will give you rest? And to be honest, we could use that. Many of us are weary of the restlessness and the unrest we've been experiencing in our nation over these past months. Weary of the unrest for the pandemic, weary of the racial unrest weary of the political unrest, and this past Wednesday, January 6th, the day the Christian church historically celebrates Epiphany, the moment when Jesus was revealed to the Gentiles, when the Magi came and bowed before the infant king. On that day, a mob stormed our nation's capital, the Capitol building to be precise. A woman lost her life, and it was a tragic scene, um, and one will never forget. Now, since that day, I've seen so much rumor and innuendo and all kinds of opinion swirling around on social media and on the internet. I have nothing to add to that. I don't want to add to that. And I would caution all of us against that. What I do want to do is call us as a church family, as a community of faith, to pray. We're commanded to pray in all times and on all occasions. We're told to pray for our country and our nation's leaders. And so Chapel Street Church Let's be a praying church in this moment of all moments. Let's keep praying. Don't be distracted by those who co-opt movements and slogans for their own agendas. Don't take the bait from various headlines and narratives. Watch your own reactivity. Instead, pray. It seems like foolishness to the world, but it's how the church wages war in this moment and in all moments. It's how the church brings about change. We pray, we seek our King. It's how we receive our marching orders and it aligns our hearts to the priorities of our crucified and risen King. So before you speak or post or act, pray. As you speak or post or act, pray. After you speak or post or act, pray. Let's commit to being a praying church let's not allow uh, the discourse and the division that's happening to infiltrate our hearts and our lives let's be committed to pray when you don't have the words pray when you don't know what to do pray if this season has taught us anything it's taught us this that the problems we face as a nation as individuals cannot be solved by government alone by elected officials alone by any human institution there's only one who can solve them and so let's seek him in prayer And so I want to invite you right now in this moment just to pray with me. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Will you pray with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
1: Well, I'm grateful for Pastor Jeff and his words, his perspective, by the way, sent to us via video from uh, his vacation in Florida. Um, And I thank him in particular for his reminder about prayer and for the reminder of just how beautiful and contemporary Uh, the Lord's Prayer actually is. So thank you, Jeff. Well, as many of you know, I grew up as a PK, that is, a preacher's kid. So in our family, um, life revolved around the church, and Sunday uh, was always an important day of the week. We had Sunday school in our church growing up at 9.45 in the morning. Then we went to worship, which we called Big Church, at 11. And then we went back to church at 7 in the evening for evening service, and sometimes even at 6 o'clock for our youth uh, gathering of some sort, in between, we always had our Sunday family dinner, and then there was nap time. Uh, my parents taught us that Sunday was a day of rest, and so nap time was mandatory. Anybody grow up like that, like me? Okay, a few of you. See, I now know, though, that nap time for my parents was about a bit more than napping, which is why they locked their door. Um, I think you can probably connect those dots. And by the way, in ancient Jewish uh, Sabbath traditions, there was an expectation. There was actually a mandate for marital napping on the Sabbath, and that's true. Some of you just got way more interested in Sabbath last couple of minutes. Now, nap time was fine when we were little boys, but when, somewhere around 11 or 12, I um, started to push back on the whole nap, nap time thing. I wanted to spend uh, Sunday afternoons doing something else. I mean, I'd been uh, to Sunday school already. I'd been to church. We were going back to church that night. So I wanted to watch a ball game. I wanted to go out and play ball with my friends. I wanted Sunday afternoons for myself. So I developed a strategy. Uh, it was a theological strategy. Uh, so the next time my parents said, Sunday's a day of rest, I was ready with my argument. I said, mom, dad, Sunday's a day of rest, right? Mm -hmm. And God wants us to rest from work, right? I think you would agree that play is not work, different things, right? So I think that play is a form of rest. Therefore, that means God would want me to play. On Sundays. Now, whether they were convinced by my theological dexterity or not, or just thought I was too old for naps anymore, but they relaxed that Sunday nap requirement and I was allowed to play. So my question is, who had it right? My parents or me? Well, both and sort of neither. As Jeff said, we're beginning a four-part series today called Rhythm of Rest. We're going to explore the ancient and biblical practice of Sabbath. And by the way, if you haven't noticed yet... Uh, You can download a sermon uh, series journal and guide, uh, either on the weekly email you get from Chapel Street or go to the website. You can download it there and go through this whole series with with us. But when we hear the word Sabbath, quite often I think we hear a word that's somewhat foreign to us. I mean, we hear an ancient Jewish thing, and since none of us or few of us grew up in a Jewish culture, we can kind of think, "Eh, that's not really for us. We're sort of New Testament Christians, North American Christians, so that Sabbath thing is not really for us. And I think that we would be wrong about that. Or we might think that Sabbath is going to church on Sunday or just taking a day off from work. And we maybe be a little closer, but we'd still be kind of wrong about Sabbath. So by the end of this series, we hope that you will understand Sabbath as both a noun and a verb. It's not just a day of the week. It is a day, but it's more than a day. It's something that we do, something we pursue, something we plan for, and something we can actually experience. We hope you'll understand in a more, uh, in a deeply personal way what God means by Sabbath rest. And I, like Jeff said, I think this is a great time for this study. You know, he came up with this idea a couple of months ago, but I think it's very appropriate time-wise because I think many of us might be tired. I mean, we're tired of COVID. Anybody tired of COVID? <laughs> Anybody tired of wearing a mask? Yeah, tired of wearing a mask, right? We're tired of Zoom calls. We're tired of all so many things. Like Jeff said, we're increasingly tired about the relentless bad news in our country, it seems like. Maybe we're just worn out from the holidays. I think you can probably relate. Now, when we hear, you hear we're going to talk about Sabbath, you might assume we're going to talk about the Sabbath commandment right? The fourth of the Ten Commandments, uh, Exodus chapter 20, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And we are going to get there next week. Today we're going to start in a different place, way back at the beginning, actually the book of Genesis chapter 2. So let me read this text for us and we're going to come back to it several times to see what God has for us today. Genesis 2 from 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Familiar words, I think, but we're going to come back to this three more times in the next 20 minutes or so, because there are three things I want us to see. God worked, God rested, and God blessed. Let's start with God worked. God worked. I've talked about this over the years, uh, but I'm... uh, I'm a list guy. Um, I make lists every week. This is my list from this past week. Uh, How many of you are list makers? Right? Okay, it's the only way to go, right? It's the only way to live a sane, productive life. Make lists. Well, I make my list every Sunday night or every Monday morning. and I write down everything I can think of I need to do that week. My work stuff, my work responsibilities, family stuff, personal stuff, errands, anything. Because when I get something done, I do what? All you list makers? You cross it off. Right? You joyfully cross it off the list, and you get credit for it when you cross it off the list. Like This was done earlier in the week, so sermon outline, I've done that. Detailed outline, did that. Rough draft, did that. Slides for the board, did that. Write sermon, did that. Send to Sarah, did that. Practice, did that. That was fun. Right? And if I do something that's not on my list, what do I do? You write it down, and then you cross it off. Preach, sermon, Okay. I do that just because I want that sense of accomplishment. Now, the first chapter of Genesis reads a little bit like God's to-do list. Let's see. Day one. Create the heavens and the earth and make light and darkness. Check. Or cross off. I don't know how he does it. Day two. Separate the water on the earth from the water above the earth. Check. Skip down to day six. Create one human being from the dust of the earth. Create a second one of a different sex from that one's rib. Make the male and female in my image. Check. God's do And then we read this, Genesis chapter 2. Now notice the words I put in red this time. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. All the words in red have to do with God's work. Three times in three verses, we're told that God worked. God's work was creation, and God finished his work. And if we go back to Genesis 1, uh, and we will see that five different times in that first chapter of the Bible, God looks at what he has done, looks at what he has made, and says, it's good. It's good. It's very good. God's work is good. Therefore... Our work is good. The Bible teaches us that as human beings we were created in the image of God, which means, among many other things, we were created to work. Adam was given a work to do. Genesis 2.15 we read, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now this is before the fall into sin. Work only became a struggle, only became a burden After the fall into sin, but Adam's work was to joyfully participate in God's loving and bountiful provision. Did you know that all work is ordained by God? That your work matters to Him because it honors His image in you. The Apostle Paul talks about this in the New Testament in Colossians chapter 3. He says, Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Work is good. You might be a salesperson, you might be an engineer, a computer programmer, a bus driver, a teacher, a stockbroker, a business owner, a stay-at-home mom or dad. Your work matters to God, because your work honors God, and your work blesses others work is good. But somewhere along the way, between Genesis 2 and where we live today in 21st century North America, something has happened to work. A couple of years ago, I was playing golf <clears throat> on a beautiful fall Saturday morning with a man from this church. He's since moved away. He happened to be the CEO of a very large company. We drove around in this golf cart um, on a really nice course, playing rather bad golf, as I recall, at least I was. And I noticed that he had his cell phone propped up in the cart, even as, we played, even as he drove around. And so it was buzzing every couple of minutes. Sometimes he'd just look at it, sometimes he'd pick it up and he'd say a few words, but he had it there the entire time. He was working as we played golf on a beautiful Saturday morning. Eventually I said something like, man, it's really hard to get away, isn't it? And he said, yeah, we have offices all over the world, so somewhere, someone is always working in our company. He then told me there were many times he actually had to sleep in the closet of his bedroom so his phone wouldn't wake his wife up as he answered it in the middle of the night. And it struck me, this is a CEO of a billion-dollar company who lives in a million-dollar house, and he's sleeping on the floor of his closet because he can't get away from his work. The Japanese have a word, karoshi, that means literally death by overwork. Americans now work more on average than any industrialized nation in the world, and we're proud of it. We call it work ethic, right? We'll talk much, much more about this next week, but we've turned our work and all that work gives us into a kind of metric for happiness and success. In that way, we've made work... Into an idol. The result, one writer says, is that we have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. The Bible tells us that work is good. The Bible also tells us that work is not God. God worked, His work was good, He finished His work, and then He did something else. The second thing we need to look at in this passage is that God rested. He rested. Well, we finally got some snow uh, last week. Didn't have a white Christmas. Kind of had a white first week or so of January. But when it snows, it means I get to shovel our driveway. Now, this is an old photo of me and two of our four sons. Um, And one of the favorite things the five of us have done over the years is shovel the driveway and our sidewalks when it snows. No matter how deep the snow, no matter how late at night, we get our shovels and we go out and we shovel. People ask me, Pastor Brian, do you have a snowblower? I said, No, I have four boys. Living, breathing snowblowers. Uh, And we have a blast. I don't know why, but it's always been fun for us to do this. And the best part is when we finish. We high five, we fist bump each other, put the shovels down, and we just stay out there in the driveway enjoying our work. We celebrate. We stand in the now clean driveway. We gaze upon the work of our hands, and we just know that it's very good. And then we rest. our work. And this is a hint of what we see in Genesis chapter 2. Let's read it again. Notice the words I put in in a different color. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. For six days, God worked Created, accomplished, and finished. Then he rested. Any of you list makers ever put that on your to-do list for a week? To rest? I don't think I have. Question, why did God rest? Was he tired, worn out, from making everything that is? Isaiah the prophet tells us, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. The God of the Bible is omnipotent. He never gets tired, and yet he rested. The Hebrew word for rest is Shabbat, or Sabbath, we would say. Uh, We think of Sabbath as a noun, which it is. But here in Genesis 2, it's a verb. It means to cease, to stop, to desist from labor. After accomplishing all his work, God who never gets tired sabbath the question is why did he rest if he wasn't tired the bible is telling us i think that god intentionally ceased his working in favor of something better he was building a rhythm of rest into the very fabric of all creation think about it we have day and night the human body is hardwired for day and night right hardwired for a rhythm of waking and sleeping and if that rhythm is disturbed and today, over 70 million Americans have sleep disturbances, sleep uh, problems. If that rhythm is disturbed, we, we have problems. We, we get sick in one way or another. Or think of the seasons. You have spring and summer, which are seasons of planting and growth. Fall and winter, seasons of harvest and rest. The earth itself has seasons of rest, even a football game. Some of you might watch a football game this afternoon. Bears are going to need a little divine intervention, I think. And by the way, <laughs> I'm teasing now, but watching Bears games, it qualifies as Sabbath because I fall asleep in the third quarter. <laughs> Actually, first they fall asleep, then I fall asleep in the third quarter. If you follow them, you know what I'm talking about. But what happens in a football game? Between every play, the big players do what? These giant men do what? They huddle up and they rest for about 45 seconds till the next play. At halftime, they get a rest time. When you think about it, it sort of cracks you up. These are highly trained athletes in great shape, but they need 15 minutes of rest in the middle of a game. And then they go out and try to beat each other silly again. But the rhythm of rest, the rhythm of Sabbath, is built into the very laws of the universe. I read one writer last week who wrote this. Arguing about whether we have to keep the Sabbath is like arguing about whether we have to keep the law of gravity. It just is. We ignore it at our own peril. The same is true for Sabbath. In his book entitled Simply Sabbath, an author named Wayne Muller writes this Poisoned by this hypnotic belief that good things come only through unceasing determination and tireless effort, we can never truly rest. And for want of rest, our lives are in danger. God rested, God Sabbathed. God built a rhythm of rest and Sabbath into the very fabric of the universe, and He built it into each one of us. God worked. God rested, and thirdly, God blessed. God bless Let's read again. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Do you notice the two things God did to the seventh day? First, he blessed the seventh day. What does it mean to bless the seventh day? If we go back to day five of creation, when God created the sea creatures and the flying birds, we read this. God blessed them. Can you flip to the... God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water of the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And then we see on day six... When he created human beings, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. So God blessed creatures and he blessed human beings to be fruitful and increase. In other words, to bring life. Now he blesses a day. The Sabbath is blessed to bring life. And work does not do that. God created rest. God created Sabbath to be life-giving. Secondly, notice, he blessed the seventh day, then he made it holy. He made it holy. This is the first time the word holy is used in the Bible. Holy means to sanctify or set apart or to make something very special and different. The only thing God made in the first couple of chapters of Genesis that he called holy is a day, the seventh day. In other words, he sanctified time. Now, we tend to think of places or things as holy. Temples, shrines, cathedrals, the Bible. We call it the Holy Bible because it's different. But here God makes a day holy. Why? What does that mean? It means that the God of the Bible, Yahweh, I am that I am, cannot be located in a building. He cannot be located in a place. Rather, the God of the Bible is found and experienced in the world of time. He's found in Sabbath. Now here's something that is not only interesting but critical to our understanding of the Bible. As many of you know, most ancient cultures that have ever existed, most ancient religions that have ever existed had their own creation stories, their creation mythologies. There are dozens of them. The Sumerians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Egyptians all have their own creation mythologies but there are three things about the biblical account that are absolutely unique in all the ancient world. Three things. First, in other creation stories, matter, created matter, is described often as bad or corrupt. But in the biblical account, everything God makes is good. The world is good. That's unique to the biblical story. Secondly, in other creation mythologies, men are created by the gods... But women are often portrayed as sort of an accident, uh, sort of a a lesser set of creatures. Not so in the Bible. In the Bible, women are said to be created in the image of God. Male and female, he created them. That's unique. Thirdly, the God of the Bible offers his creatures the gift of rest. The idea of Sabbath is found nowhere else in ancient religious history. Nowhere else. We worship a God who cares for us by giving us his gift of rest. So <clears throat> here's where I want to begin our understanding of Sabbath. Sabbath is not just a day off. It's much, much more. The Sabbath means not to set aside time so you can catch up on your to-do list, get a lot of stuff done you haven't done yet. No, it's more than that. Sabbath is not just going to church or watching a service online. It might include that, but it's much, much more. Here's how our author Wayne Muller describes Sabbath. Sabbath reminds us that we are always and already on sacred ground. The gifts of grace and delight are present and abundant. The time to live and love and give thanks and rest and delight is now, this moment, this day. Feel what heaven is like, have a taste of eternity, rest in the arms of the divine. We do not have miles to go before we sleep. The time to sleep, to rest, is now. We are already home. It's a beautiful paragraph. I came across this little story uh, in the last couple of weeks. I couldn't find the exact source, uh, so it may be more of a a parable, an apocryphal story. As the story goes, there were European missionaries about 100 years ago uh, working in Africa, serving in Africa, and they needed to move a bunch of stuff to another mission station far away, so they hired some local villagers as porters to carry all the stuff. Uh, The porters, however, the first day of the journey walked a little slower Uh, than the missionaries wanted, because they were carrying things, and the missionaries wanted them to speed up. second day, they also walked slow. By the third day, they really pushed them, and they walked much faster. They covered twice as much ground the third day as they did the first two days. And then on the fourth day, the missionaries got up, and the African porters got up, and the Africans refused to walk at all. The missionaries said, what's wrong? Why won't you walk today? And the African spokesman said, we cannot go any further today Because we went so quickly yesterday, we must wait here for our souls to catch up. I wonder, it's a time for your soul to catch up. So we want to invite you as Chapel Street family to share in what might be called a Sabbath experiment. You may already be pretty intentional about Sabbath in your family or in your own life, and that's great, but my guess is for many of you, maybe most of you, this will be a bit new and maybe a bit uncomfortable, but we want to invite you. And I use the word invite intentionally. I'm not talking about some sort of a legalistic religious rule here. We're not talking about rule keeping. That's not it. This is an invitation. So we invite you for these four weeks of this series to explore just a bit what God might want to give you through Sabbath rest. I want to encourage you to intentionally choose a day. Might be Sunday. Might be a Saturday. Might be part of two days. Maybe a half a day. For some of you, that's going to be so challenging. Just take an hour. Start there. But choose a time to Sabbath and start with this unplug. What I mean by that is unplug from phones, social media, TV news. Just unplug. Now, that might sound kind of crazy. That's like breathing air to us. But I'll, I'll promise you, all those tweets and posts are going to be there the next day. They just will. So unplug. And by unplugging, you'll create a little bit of space, mental, emotional, spiritual space, space to experience what God might have to give you. And in that space, maybe take a walk. I don't mean a walk for exercise. I mean a a Sabbath walk. Try to notice things that you normally would walk right by. Try to pay attention to what God might want to say to you. Uh, For example, this past week, I forget what day it was, but it was the, uh, I take a walk now during COVID. I started doing this and it's become a habit. I walk very early in the morning, first thing. And I was walking and it was the morning after we had that freezing fog. And I was walking along, you know, like I usually do. I'm thinking about the day, everything I have to do, my to-do list. I'm thinking about this sermon on Sabbath. And I'm walking, walking, walking. And then I noticed, I don't know what made me notice it. but I noticed the trees. Did you see the trees that morning? Like for a whole day, they were like that. You saw it. there was a little video right before the sermon. They had a tree there, covered in white. Every branch, every twig, coated in white, like it had been done by an artist. And I stopped. I'd walked like a half a mile and had not even noticed. But I stopped, and I looked. And every tree, as far as I could see, the same thing. And then it hit me. There was an artist involved. And he created the earth and the atmosphere and the rotation of the earth and the seasons. And he created the waters below the earth and the waters above the earth. And he created all that for me in that moment to notice. And I walked slower after that. It was like I was walking through a great cathedral. And in that moment, I had just a slice of what God means by Sabbath. Take a walk. Write a letter. Not an email, not a text. Write a letter to a friend, family member, someone who might need encouragement. You don't know. Write a letter. Write a letter to yourself. Write a letter to God. Take a nap. Take a nap. I'm just saying. Light a candle. Celebrate something. Light a candle and celebrate something. Light a bunch of candles. Celebrate everything you can think of that God's given you. Say thank you. Here's the point. Take time to Sabbath. Put it on your to-do list. Take time to rest. Take time to delight in the God who delights in you. Take time to let your soul catch up. I hope you'll stay with us through this whole series. Let's bow. Lord, we thank you today for your word. And we... Live in a busy world. Even now during COVID, we live in a busy world of work, hurry, stress. We we do it habitually. Sometimes we don't know how to stop. And we have to admit we've often forgotten, me included, to Sabbath. So we thank you today for your great gift, your great invitation of Sabbath rest. Teach us to be people who not only know how to work, work is good, work's important, but teach us to be people who not only know how to work or how to work for you, but also people to be people who know how to rest in you. Teach us the Sabbath. It's your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me for the benediction today? As we've said and we see on the slides every week, there are, there are multiple ways to express generosity here at Chapel Street. Many of you um, give online, and we thank you for that. But if you came today prepared to give in person, uh, there are little bins in the, in the lobby there you can use, so thank you in advance for your generosity. Receive now today's benediction. May we go now in the name of the God who worked to create all that is and the God who rested that we may find our rest in him. Amen. Have a great day.